0: Well, you heard in the sports flash from a very handsome-sounding man, but it is official. The Brewers have their 20th manager in franchise history. Uh, introductory press conference is happening later today. Uh, it will be after we're done with uh, the, uh, the show here. But welcome in Pat Murphy to take over as the new manager replacing Craig Council as a, a new era is underway for the Milwaukee Brewers and your associate manager, Welcome, Ricky Weeks. (laughs) Rowdy, good morning. Ricky Weeks, before council got, uh, you know, went to Chicago, he was, like, promoted to, uh, like, player, person, I I forget the exact position, and then he got another promotion to associate
1: manager. So welcome, Pat Murphy and Ricky Weeks. So today is obviously Thursday, November 16th. Yeah. It's clearly, like, football season, right? We're in it. College, NFL, football. In it. I feel like there's been more Milwaukee Brewer news post the season. Yeah. Especially just this week. Big time. Than there has been for the Green Bay Packers or the Wisconsin Badgers. Cause what? We had the Craig Council to Chicago news. Huge. <laughs> and then about a day after we had the hiring of Pat Murphy. Yep.
0: Now it's official yesterday.
1: Official yesterday and then they officially talk and name Ricky Weeks, the associate <laughs> manager, which is aka like a more, you know, uh I guess Luxurious name for bench coach, yeah. And then you have the Brewers already making a couple trades. Yeah, the
0: Brewers <laughs> are in it, dude. That like they are making. I, well, they got to make these moves, right? But yeah, more noise than what the final. God, I don't know how many weeks, months of the season. Uh, so much Brewers news. Uh, NFL getting headlines stolen from them, and the Packers are probably thanking them for that, and the Badgers are probably thanking the Brewers for stealing headlines from them. They're like, please look at what the Brewers are doing, not what the other teams are doing. Well, how's it feel, Rowdy? The the what the twentieth manager now, Pat Murphy,
1: manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, I don't hate it. It kind of is what it is for me. He feels like a a guy that is seen as a teacher in the baseball world and at the same time, also feels like a stopgap type manager. I'm I'm happy for the guy though. Like if, if anything, it's a guy that's earned his due. He's earned an opportunity to manage at the major league baseball level. But at the same time, when you, when you have a guy like Ricky weeks, who is seen as a rising star in the brewers organization who gets hired as your bench coach, essentially, it feels like you're there for a year or two, see what you can do because you deserved it. And then it'll probably be Ricky weeks, team when this team Quote unquote comes of age yeah. and when it's supposed to compete again. The coming of or age. If it's not Ricky Weeks's team because he doesn't become the guy they think he can be, they'll probably go and hire, you know, from outside the organization. But I feel like they could have done a lot worse. Yeah. I feel like if they were really willing to spend money and and have some bigger name sit through a rebuild, which might have been a tough sell, maybe they could have done better. But for me, it's an eh. Yeah, it's. um, I'm not mad about it. No, but it's not not like I'm yelling to the to the mountaintop saying I love this. It's
0: not going to rock the boat. It's not going to create many waves, right? It's it's. Is it low risk, high reward for Pat Murphy? I mean, you you keep the whole staff because remember when um, Craig went to uh, Chicago, Margaret and Ozzie's like, and Matt Arnold, we're keeping the whole staff, and we were all like, okay, and then they kept the whole staff. And what Andrew Wagner from uh, Forbes.com was on earlier this week, and he said it wasn't a money-saving move because all those players, uh, they were announced as uh, contract extensions prior to the Craig Council news. And I'm thinking to myself, when Andrew said that, I'm like, dude, this is a total cost-saving move for the Brewers. You're literally, you don't have to, and you said this, you don't have to buy out the remaining staff and hire a whole new staff. How is this not a a money-saving move?
1: Just from what it sounds like, from what Mark Ananasio has said post the Craig Council news or what Craig Council has said as exit interview or his intro interview with the Cubs. I feel like if you're on staff, and especially if you're as close as Pat Murphy and Craig Council really were, I mean, Pat Murphy coached Craig council at Notre Dame. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Craig council said he wanted to bring Pat Murphy in as a bench coach to the Brewers when he became the manager because they were different, but they got along and they were friends. Yes. Like you're telling me that Pat Murphy and no one else on the staff had any idea until a couple of weeks ago, that Craig Council would be leaving. I feel like there was probably at least a little bit of chatter, being like, "Man, I don't know if I want to be the manager anymore." It's man, I I might want to look at other avenues. It's funny
0: that you say that because um um in this video that the Brewers posted, it was Matt Arnold's son, his younger his young son called Pat Murphy from Arnold's phone to tell them he that he had the job. I'm going to play the audio, and Pat Murphy says something in there that is a little. Eyebrow raising on what you just said. Here, here's here's the phone call. Here's his son talking to Pat.
2: Hi, I'm Tyler. Tyler. Uh, oh, we what wanted to. hell, man? We wanted to know Do you want to be the manager of the roof. Guy, nice, bro. It's something I dream about, man. I didn't think Council was ever leaving, so I never thought I'd have that shot. I would love to do that. Yeah. Tell your tell your dad to go out in the garage and get the wheelbarrow. All right. Can you
3: tell that? They yeah. Out the garage in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> He's right here. Uh, All right. You're awesome. Darling. So
0: Pat Murphy says I thought Craig was never leaving. Right, th- right, right there, Rowdy. The- hey, bro. Some something I dream about, man. I didn't think
2: Council was ever leaving, so I never.
0: Have that shot. I never thought I'd have that shot. something I dreamed about. I thought Council was never leaving. Now, he could be just saying that because he's talking to like a 10-year-old kid right there. But Pat Murphy says, I never thought Craig Council was leaving. Does that do anything for you right there of like Pat Murphy
1: and uh, maybe or maybe not going on looking at different avenues for a job? I don't know. Don't some of those videos when they put those out there cheesy. online or yeah, they're cheesy. It feels like they are they're so played up.
0: I don't I said this to you guys in the DM group last night. Um, I was like would you want your boss's kid to call you to tell you that you just got promoted or a job or would you want to hear from the boss himself? Now I'm sure Matt Arnold talked to him before ahead of time, but even if he didn't like, like, why is a kid calling me to tell me that I'm the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers? Like it's kind of kinda of, it was kind of weird to me. It's cool in its own way, but it's kinda of weird to me.
1: I don't know. I feel like if Pat Murphy is a guy that was your college coach and he was like your mentor and he had been a manager and this and that, you brought him on. I feel like you're fairly close. Yeah. And if you were going to ask somebody for advice, you would probably ask a mentor that's been there before. Uh huh. That's what Pat Murphy is. Yeah. I feel like he would have known. I feel like this this feels like a scripted video. Yeah, bring the kid in. He, you know, great. <laughs> Let's make a little video of it.
0: Yeah, it's probably just for. So, I guarantee it's just for social 100%. media. Hundred
1: percent. But th- it, it feels like if there was one person that would have known, outside of Craig Council and his family. Pat Murphy would have been one of probably the highest on my list of people that he would have talked to about it, yeah i I would love to know how it all Maybe went he down. was surprised and be, and maybe that his answer was genuine in the fact that I thought counsel would never leave, but when counsel comes and talks to him about it, goes, "Yeah, I'm thinking of leaving for Chicago, and he's kind of like, Wait, what wow, really? <laughs> looks like I got an opportunity here yeah uh, so maybe, but yeah, it feels cheesy it, it feels yeah.
0: this is uh some of the comments here cute, but also cringe. The Brewers PR is so desperate for good news right now. <laughs> I don't know. People, I think fans are excited. Um, do you think fans are more excited that Pat Murphy's the coach or that Ricky weeks has the ascension that he's had now to associate manager? Cause you know, I mean, I think I've seen just like on Ricky Twitter, weeks.
1: more people talking about the hiring of Ricky weeks yeah. than the talking of Pat Murphy. Yeah. Same. Like everyone just p- almost puts it down as a bullet point. Yep. Pat Murphy hired as the Brewers manager, but then everyone's like quote tweeting and talking about Ricky weeks. And, Oh, I remember Ricky weeks was one of my favorite players growing up or Ricky weeks has really been doing some special things since he got into coaching and managing, blah, blah, blah. Pat Murphy's just kind of like the, yep. That was a thing. Everyone's blowing <laughs> up the Ricky Weeks move. We'll yeah. see how it goes. People, man, people pumped up about the Ricky Weeks.
0: Um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, a lot of my friends being like, dude, what's up with Ricky Weeks? Like, Are we going to see Ricky Weeks managing the club? Well, Pat Murphy gets a three-year
1: contract uh, with the Brewers, and then Ricky Weeks is right there. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that might be signifying that the the Brewers think they're like in a two- to three-year rebuild. <laughs> right? And
0: uh, Rowdy already said it, and if you've been paying attention, they're also uh, making trades already. Uh, So it was a couple days ago, two prospects for um, uh, the top
1: 30 prospects for Oliver Dunn, Oliver Dunn from the Phillies. So I I looked into this. They were the prospects that the the Milwaukee Brewers had traded were top 30 prospects, but they were also like in the 20s. Yeah. Thought me. It might have been a bit of a reach at first, but then I looked into Oliver Dunn. Oliver Dunn was a guy that's a former top 30 prospect comes into the brewer system is a top 30 prospect. When I first looked at it, though, I'm like, man, this guy's 25. He's going to be 26. That's a little old for a guy playing in double a being like a quote unquote, top prospect Uh looked into it a little more. He's a guy that's pretty versatile coming up. He's played, you know, second, third corner outfield also played a little bit of shortstop in the minor league. So basically he could be a utility guy. And last season had a bit of pop, he hit like over two seventy. Had over twenty home runs in the shortened uh, minor league season. So it's a guy that looks like he can play at a lot of different positions. Has a little bit of pop, and he continues to just absolutely rake in winter league. But he's kind of a guy that's that's kind of blossomed later as a prospect, aka ages twenty four and twenty five. Yeah. So we'll see. It feels like rumor. he's a he's a utility guy at this point, but that makes. Total sense then what they did yesterday by making another trade, trading Abraham Toro to the Oakland athletics for Chad Patrick, who was a relief pitcher or or pitcher. Now, Abraham Toro, what was he? He was a guy that was a versatile player. I mean, he was a guy that was in his mid mid twenties about what Oliver Dunn is. He played in triple a last season and I know he got a few cracks at the big league, uh, with the big league team last year, but he was just kind of there cause he was versatile. He wasn't really great at anything. I think at, at a minimum they got about the same player and then they acquired a, a guy that's closer to the big leagues as a, a pitching yeah. prospect. But overall Oliver Dunn brought more pop to the, to the show. He is a year younger. And the one thing about Abraham Toro, he was arbitration eligible which means the Brewers had to tender him yeah. and he would have commanded more money. Oliver, but still cheaper. And you could get a, a prospect in the pitching department that was closer to the big leagues. Then both of the guys that they traded away were in like a ball. Sure. Uh, Chad Patrick comes in at double A. He'll probably pitch double triple A for the Brewers. He's 24 going on 25. So yeah. he's a guy that at best, he's probably like a, a Colin Ray type pitcher for this team from the last couple of Who years. Who was
0: phenomenal for the Brewers last year. Uh, last at, a,
1: season. at a minimum, he probably pitches in double or triple A all season, but he's an, he's an arm that's closer to the big leagues. If you needed to shuffle guys back and forth. So, I mean, overall, I think the upside with Oliver Dunn versus Abraham Toro is higher. Sure. And you basically got, you you traded for a better versatile utility player with a higher ceiling and then traded away two lower prospects for a closer triple a arm, which, Who knows if any of them even become anything.
0: Chad Patrick was four and 11.
1: Yeah, his numbers aren't great.
0: 5.59 ERA in 26 starts, one relief appearance in double and triple A, striking out 129 while walking 53 in 124 innings.
1: One thing that I noticed going through some of his box scores, he did, especially uh, earlier in his career, have a very high Ks per nine rate. So he can potentially have a decent Strikeout guy and from my readings, he played at a very offensive friendly park in double and triple a thus maybe the slightly higher ERAs based on what his uh, FIP should be. So maybe a little upside. But again, I'm not holding when uh, the guy that you got was Oliver Dunn. When do you think the big moves are happening? Like a uh, Corbin, Burns. December, and January.
0: <laughs> so, so we got to wait a little bit here. Corbin Burns, Willie Adamas, uh, hell everyone. I think as after the uh, GM meetings, everyone is kind of up for a fire sale here, right? Like I don't think anyone's safe. Not even Hank the dog.
1: Yeah. I mean, Freddie Peralta doesn't even feel safe, especially Ooh. if you're going to hire Pat Murphy for three years. That feels like a, uh, like we talked about for a week, feels like a rebuild hire. If you're thinking a three year rebuild, why would you keep Freddie Peralta on the team who's under contract for the next three years very cheap? It feels like that's a move that if you're really thinking this is going to be a three year rebuild, that might be a guy you also want to ship.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I already got comments coming in about Pat Murphy. I'll save them for uh, coming up here as uh, we're easing on into the day. Bucks get a win last night. No, Giannis didn't. Nakumbo out on the court. Dame time was in full effect. Uh, Malik Peasley, uh, a season high as well, 30 points. We'll get to some Bucks. Uh, Packers, we have uh, Jordan Love kind of talking about um, uh, his his repertoire with in connection with Christian Watson as well because we had the Watson family earlier this week uh, on Monday who, blaming Jordan Love for a lot of things. Jordan Love kind of talked about Christian Watson yesterday at the podium,
1: so we got that too. Is it, Aren't you just getting tired of Christian Watson? Yes. His, it's, his family's even It's like getting worse on Twitter too as the days go on. Christian Watson, we saw what you did last year. We're seeing what you're doing this year. Obviously, the line's not as good. Your quarterback's not as good. You haven't been healthy. But then it's like the family stuff, doesn't the, help. the Twitter stuff. It's just like, doesn't help, dude, we're kind of tired of your BS. <laughs> Go make some plays. Exactly. They got the
0: Chargers going up here on Sunday. Jair Alexander not practicing again. Uh, Quay Walker, though, back at practice. So you got that. we will talk some Wisconsin coaches today, too.
1: It's like the thing for wide receivers. If you're going to be a wide receiver and a diva, you have to be good. Yes. Or else you're just an annoying diva that's not going to last very long. You're going to be hated by fans, and you're not going to be kept on rosters.
0: And right now, Christian Watson is trending towards what, Rowdy?
1: Being the diva that doesn't
0: play well. The annoying diva. And that's not
1: the diva that you need or want. Is he I don't even
0: is he even a diva though, or does his family make him that way? he
1: feels like the needy child.
0: Yeah, the family pushes him towards again, that Again, It morning. goes
1: back to that freaking clip of the Wags with his girlfriend saying he's not the baby <laughs> of the family, but he is the baby I'm gonna find in that. the family. He feels like the needy kid. I'm gonna find that clip again. We'll play it coming up here.
0: Oh, let the sun beat down upon my face. Rob Reichel is here to talk Packers. Robby, good morning, brother.
2: And the stars fill my dream. You're a traveler of both time and space to be where you have been, Ebo. right? You
0: oh, know? Rob, if I was I, a... I, I'm,
2: I'm, with, I'm with the stars today. This is filling my dream. Wow. Ebo and Rob, yeah. if
0: I was a traveler of both time and space, I'd travel back uh, in a space that had a better time of Packer football. Because, my God, we are... Uh... We're in the doldrums right now, Robbie.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. All, all you thirty-something-year-old guys who have known nothing but success for Wisconsin and and Green Bay Packer football are kind of kind of being awoken to what a lot of guys my age in in well, their early. 50s, I want to go back to sleep then, Rob. I want to go
0: back to bed to then. The okay. Can I go back to yeah, sleep?
2: no, I, I hey man, I I, I get it. Every, everybody wants to go back to to ninety eight and. Right in 2010 and 2014, all of a sudden doesn't seem that bad, right? Playing in an NFC Championship game and and, and things <laughs> to that effect. It's I will say this: it's part of the process. To me, the to me the really interesting thing thing Evo is is who's going to get this figured out first? Are they going to get it figured out first in Madison, or are they going to get it figured out first in Green Bay?
0: Uh, real quick, breaking. Uh, I just want to put this out there so we can break it, and then we'll get back to Packers R- Rowdy. What's the breaking news?
1: The Oakland Athletics have officially been given permission to move to Las Vegas.
0: Um, Real quick, do you think the Brewers will ever move? We'll talk Brewers at the end of the segment, but do you think the Brewers will ever move?
2: Do I think they'll ever move? No, I I don't. Uh, I just, like we've talked about many times on the show, I just, I I wish there was more pressure publicly on that owner to have to sell the team because, He is he is absolutely shafting everybody in the state with the product that he's putting out. Um, I I won't whatever we're here to talk. Right, yeah, yeah. I won't go on. We'll, save it, we'll save it for the
0: end. We'll save it for the
3: end.
2: The guys, it would not shock me next week to see Mark Mark standing in a food line somewhere looking for a turkey handout.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna collect myself, Robbie. You, you got the jokes. I more, love
2: them. More more gravy, guys. More gravy.
0: <laughs> Please, sir. Can I have some more, Rob? Um, I want to talk real quick, because uh, Jordan Love talked about it on the podium yesterday, but before that, uh, this guy's family was out in full force to defend him as well on uh, social media. What's your take on Christian Watson?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, if I, if, if I was an advisor for Christian Watson, I'd tell his family to stay off social media, first of all, because even if they're right guys, and I'm sure on some of it they are, you're just you're never going to defeat the mob mentality, and then no. you're... You know, I I get it. They're going to bat for you know, in Mom's case for the son, or in the brother's case for you know for Christian the brother and and all that kind of. Stuff. Well, you're obviously going to bat for the family member, right? But but it's not a good look when when your whole family is out there trying to defend you on social media um so
0: who's more at fault for this christian watson or jordan love because his watson's family is like blaming jordan love for all these interceptions and then jordan love is like said i could probably do better as well but or is it jordan love under throwing or is it watson not you know fighting for the ball running the correct route etc cetera, et cetera? I
2: mean, obviously obviously evil well, it's a combination of the two but if i had to assign blame i'd give more to watson than i would love i yeah. mean Ten interceptions right now on the, on the season for Jordan Love. Five are when he's targeting Christian Watson. That, 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 that's a unique, rare, high number for a wide receiver to account for 50% of the the interceptions. I mean, certainly in the game, you know, out, out Las Vegas, you know, to, to end it against the Raiders, he didn't come close to fighting hard enough for that football. I don't think he fought hard enough for that football on, on Sunday in Pittsburgh. Even though Love made a bad choice and threw it a double coverage in essence, is, is what he did on that throw. Watson doesn't have a lot of fight. I mean, honestly, guys, his, his family fights harder for him on Twitter than he fights for football. So, um, and and and, that, and that's not a good thing. Christian Watson has not progressed at the, at the end of the day. He, you know, he he's regressed. If anything, we're we're sitting here, guys, halfway through the season now, and he has 14 catches. I mean, think about that: 14 catches, one touchdown, 236 yards uh receiving he he's going to finish the year if he continues at this at this pace guys with fewer than 30 catches fewer than 500 receiving yards and two touchdowns and i i think we all were expecting him to probably get i wasn't expecting him to catch 80 balls just because of the type type of receiver he was i i thought uh you know reed or 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 dobbs might have a chance at that i but i kind of thought 65 and a thousand and maybe 10 to 12 touchdowns was fair coming into the season. And obviously at the rate he's going now, he's not going to come close to approaching that. I just, I don't think he's consistent enough in his route running. I, I, you know, he, he's not, as fluid in 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 the overall route tree as some of these young guys are now who come into the league even even guys i think back 15 18 years ago to greg jennings and, and you could see it the first day he showed up in green bay i mean the guy was so smooth right out of the chute um and and he knew the route tree inside and out and, and even as a rookie far far took full advantage of that skill set jennings moved into the in the end of the starting lineup and he tore it apart and, um, and then really erupted in, in year two. Um, and he was a second round draft pick. I mean, the, when the Packers traded away Devontae Adams and ended up with the 22nd and the 28th pick in that 2022 draft, they had a couple of options, Evo. They, they could have, they, you know, that they could have stayed pat and, and took the players on the board that they did. And, and we all know they went defense, defense with, with, uh, Walker and Wyatt. The case I made before the draft and several different stories I wrote is they needed to take those two draft picks and get themselves up around eight or 10. If, 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 you look at the NFL trade chart value, uh, Evo, the, the picks 22 and 28 that green Bay had that year, if they traded them both, they could have got them up to about number eight. And we all know that that was such a, such a crazy wide receiver friendly draft. It was, it was Drake London at eight who went to Atlanta it was Garrett Wilson at 10 who went to the jets. It was Chris lobby at 11. And that was the guy I was in love with myself. It, it, it was the Williams kid who went to Detroit at 12, you know, even down to 18 was Burks who went to, to Tennessee guys. But you know, the case I was making is offense wins in this league. You can find defensive players a little bit later. You need stud wide receivers, for your quarterback whether that was aaron Rodgers still in 2022 or whenever they made the change to jordan love which we know now was was 2023 they had to go get him a number one wide receiver goody coons took a chance he he stayed patty went defense defense traded up in round two for his number one wide receiver or who he thought was, was going to be his number one wide receiver in christian watson and it's it's not working out obviously. And, and I'd say at this point in time, Hey, is, is it early yet? Yes. The kid's only a year and a half into, in, into his NFL career. He he could turn things around and, and, and eventually blossom into a really good wide receiver, but it doesn't look good at this point guys. And, and, and I would say heading into this offseason, heading into. Mm, 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 mm.
0: Uh, Robbie, is that you back? Yes, I don't know what happened. Me neither. I think Christian Watson's family tried to cut you off.
1: I think, Rob, to your (laughs) point, when you watch his skill set, he just looks like, okay, when he was drafted, he was going to be the guy that comes in. He's got the speed athleticism. He's going to take the top off the defense, open stuff up underneath. I haven't seen any development since then. Like, when you talk about a first-round draft pick or even some of the second-round picks at wide receiver, you're talking about guys that – can run complete route trees that can do more than one thing. He still feels like a one trick pony and then he's not healthy and on the field.
2: No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean you think he, he showed up in Green Bay and four weeks in he was having an knee scope and then he and then he missed the entire summer really of twenty twenty two and it put him behind the eight ball when he got back and it took him half a season to kind of get in sync. With with Aaron Rodgers and he, and he missed the start of this season again with with, with a hamstring injury. I think that was three games uh, to to start this year. Rowdy, you're you're not wrong, and 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 he clearly is not where you want him to be, top to bottom uh, on the route tree. But it's just consistency too. I mean, guys, think of think of that second drive the Green Bay had the other day, right? Pittsburgh scores on its first two drives. They're up fourteen seven. Green Bay actually looked pretty good on their first drive. Went down and got a touchdown. Now they're down 14-7. They have the ball back. It's like third and seven, third and eight. And Watson comes wide open on a crosser. And Love hits him in stride. And Watson drops the ball. Um, and and he probably turns the corner if he catches that guy. and so he gets the midfield. And Green Bay may certainly go down and, and score at that point in time. But it's, it's, it's just plays like that. It's, it's the consistency. He started okay the other day. And then he vanishes for three quarters again, and and if some of this on Jordan Love? Yes, because I do think Jordan Love is forcing him the football at, at crunch times in the game where he has other guys that have developed now and other guys that are growing up in front of his eyes, the, the Jaden Reeds, the Musgraves, the Romeo Dubs, uh, that that are probably better options at, at, in in some of these situations than Christian Watson is. Uh, Dubs has become really a touchdown machine. He's, he's terrific in the red zone. Musgrave is getting better and better every, every single week, understanding, you know, where the soft spot is. And against some of this cover two stuff that it, that, that he's seen and sitting down between linebackers and safeties. Jane Reed's going to turn out to be, I, I think, an outstanding player for these guys. He, you know, in, in a year or two guys, he'll he'll be a, a player that's probably getting 80, 80 catches a season. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of encouraging things inside that wide receiver room. But the bottom line is everybody I just outlined there, there's not a number one wide receiver. That number one wide receiver needed to be Kristen Watson. Is, is it going to be, it, it's too early to say no, but it doesn't look good. And and before whatever my, the you know, before the Watson family got to my phone line, I guess, guys, I, I was I was just going to say, you know, the way Green Bay is trending, they may have a chance to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. and and that you know they're, they're going to need a lot. They're going to need a left tackle. They're going to need a wide receiver. Rob. They're going to probably need a cornerback. They're they're going to need a lot of things, guys. Um, but at the top of the list is probably going to be a number one wide receiver to play Rob. catch with Jordan Love. Rob. And
0: what what is going on with this phone line? Here is the thing, Robbie. Robbie's that you again? I don't know what's going on with this, but you got cut I off don't here, know what's Robbie, Rob, here is Rob, what here is. Before I ask about Jay, you're yeah, in the defense. On. The Packers aren't going to draft the wide receiver in the first round. It it just doesn't happen. Last time they did that was, what, 2001?
2: If they're sitting there at number two two and they've made the commitment to Jordan Love, um, and and again, I don't think they're going to wind up at two because they still have games with, with the Giants and the Bears and Carolina. But the next three are brutal, Evo. I mean, with you know, starting obviously this week with with the L.A. Chargers and and then Detroit on Thanksgiving and the Chiefs. I you know I would say it's a better than fifty fifty chance. We're doing this show in three weeks, and these guys are three and nine. And then you've got to really make a choice, right? Because if you're three and nine, Evo, you're be they're at the number six spot today at three and six. If they're three and nine, they're probably up to about number three uh, by that point in time. And now you've got to make a choice, like right? What what is winning really worth? Or do we really, you know, do you, do you trot out, you know, a number of the backups and get a look at those guys knowing big picture wise, it's going to help you get a Marvin Harrison Jr. or whoever, um, you know, come April. So I, I don't know, Evo, if, 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 I mean, Harrison's a one, Harrison's a Justin Jefferson, right? He's a, he's a Jamar chase. He's a CD lamb. He's a, he's a once in a decade type of a wide receiver uh, that, that comes along. And, and I, Hey, the, the guys I just outlined, right, guys come out of college now and, and they they are immediate contributors and borderline pro bowlers at the wide receiver position where 20 years ago it took those guys two, three seasons to get to that point, Far, you know, other than the Randy Moss here and there of, of, of the world you know the, these guys since they're 10 11 years old now they are they're in they're in 7 on 7 passing camp they show up to college and they know the route tree inside and out that we're just talking about so the fact that Christian Watson is 23 years old and he doesn't know it yet and and does and, does, and doesn't run into the uh, you know uh level of necessity that the Packers Packers demand and need of him is is concerning so i, I hey Evo i i wouldn't rule it out if if they're sitting there somehow at two and the USC quarterback goes one and Harrison's on the board of two. I don't know how you say no to that.
1: I think Robbie looking at the upcoming schedule for the Packers, what we witnessed in Pittsburgh is what probably a lot of green Bay fans should hope for, for the rest of the season. We saw some flashes. We saw some of these young guys make plays, but yet they still found a way to lose being that they're keeping that high draft pick. I don't know if I see Marvin Harrison dropping as far as, you know, four because he feels like the surest thing out there for a guaranteed pick. But at the same time, I don't even know if, if like Ebo said, I believe in them taking a wide receiver because it feels like there's so many holes on this team right now. They need more than one player.
2: Oh, I mean, there's no doubt. They, you know, they're they're not going to turn this thing around and win 13 games in, in 2024. This, this is a building process and, and, and this is a transitional year. And I think the fan base does need to understand it is the youngest roster, uh, in the league. But, but to your point, Nelly, um, I, I'm with you. I, I thought the Pittsburgh game top to bottom was the best they played as a football team in 2023. I mean, I know they blew out the bears in week one, but, but that is, you know, that, that, that's a Chicago team that's going to have a top five draft pick themselves. This is a Pittsburgh team that is extremely tough physical has you know, arguably the best coach in the national football league and, and knows how to win close games. And that's, that's just what the Steelers did. The Steelers aren't flashy, obviously, and, and they don't blow a lot of people out, but there was a lot to be encouraged about. I would, I would say, you know, in that football game, um, you know, moving forward for, for green Bay. And, Nellie, that 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 was not a bad outcome. That was not a bad scenario. You, you saw a lot of young guys grow and get better. Both tackles played extremely well. Like like I touched on earlier, I I thought Musgrave and Reed had a, had outstanding games. You saw all those young guys in the defensive backfield, right? I mean, I know a lot was made about the run defense, and rightfully so. Pittsburgh gashed them through the course of the day, but those young guys at corner, uh, you know, Valentine and Valentine, and you know they've they've got backup safeties on the field. Um, and, and those guys, I think, held Kenny Pickett to like 130 passing yards. And I understand it's, you know, it's not Justin Herbert like they're going to see this week. It's not, it's, it's not go from or Mahomes, the guys coming the next two weeks, things like that. It is Kenny Pickett. But you hold anyone in that league to 130 passing yards, you're doing something well. And I thought the guys in the back competed their butts off. Um, so no, I, I think there was a lot to be encouraged about from, from that game, Nelly moving forward. And, um, you know, if, if it continues to trend in that direction where they hang around with some of these, you know, teams that have coming on the schedule, clear-cut playoff teams like the Lions and the Chiefs, and, and, and you know, they lose these games 30-27 or, or something like that, lose by a field goal, lose, lose by four points. Um, it, it, it's not the worst thing in the world because don't forget, Brian, you know, with, with the trade of Rasul Douglas, with the trade of Aaron Rodgers, they do have five in the top 100 picks coming up in you know in in the draft. Five in the top three rounds. Uh, no matter how this lines up playing out, it could end up five in the top 85 or something like that. The way Buffalo is trending, they might not be a playoff team. So they're they're going to have a lot of draft capital heading into this draft. Gutekunst can do whatever he wants, honestly. Now he in terms of moving around that board other than maybe getting up to one or two or something like that, if, if somebody is hell-bent on, on taking a certain quarterback and, and will never trade that, that draft pick. But I do think Gutekunst is going to have a lot of ability to move up and down that board when, when, when we do get to April just because of the extra second, the extra 30 has right now. You know, I, 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 Nellie, I mean, I, I, you need you need a high-powered offense in the league to win championships. The Green Bay's offense, I think, right now has the ability to be okay has the ability to be solid, but but they've got to find a way to get back to where they were with Favre and Rodgers, and, and that's surrounding love with more weapons, and right now I just don't think he has enough. All
0: right, we've got to go rapid fire because we're woefully yep. late for a break. What happens Sunday, quick? Chargers coming in.
2: Well, if Green Bay can hang around, they'll probably win the game because, you know, L.A. might be the most poorly coached team in football when it comes to close games. Green Bay saw the best coached team in close games last week. They'll see the worst this week. The Chargers find a way to lose every single close game. I'm going to pick Green Bay, eagle like 30-27. 20, all right, Rob.
0: And as, real quick, I have to get your take. We'll start with uh, Pat Murphy, now manager of the Brewers. You're a diehard Brewers fan. What do you think?
2: Who's Pat Murphy? <laughs> all right. Ricky Weeks, associate manager as well. I, I, again, I'm right I'll, I'll tell you what the owner's probably thrilled to death because he winds up saving what four or five million dollars in this transaction. He doesn't have to make Craig the highest paid manager in baseball. He gets, you know, he, he gets a sidekick at, at, at a minimum wage deal when it when it's all said and done. So it's it's probably the happiest day of the year for Mark. So.
0: <laughs> wage deal. And your thoughts on the state of Badger basketball? Quick, Rob.
2: Be more bleak than than. Uh, the Brewer baseball. Mm. I, I'll just I'll just say this. I mean, I'm sure they're nice kids, but <laughs> oh, I, I mean, oh. a, a, enough trotting out there the the Carter Gilmores of the world and the Max Klesmiths and and, and and guys like that. Let let let. I mean, free Connor Asijan, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure his back is, is probably an issue, but he's got to play more than six minutes a game. I mean, he's the best shooter you've had here in 25 years. It's it, it, it's tough to watch, and and I'll just, I'll just say this. I mean, if if the AD there whacked Paul Chris, who had a lot more success than Greg Gard has had um, a, a little over a year ago, that that seat that Greg Gard is sitting on has to be a, a, just a blaze right now unless this thing gets turned around ASAP.
0: Robbie, you are a treasure. We love you, brother. Forbes.com, Rob Reschel on Twitter, Conley Media. You the man, Robbie!
2: All right, guys. Sorry about the phone problems. I'll, nah, it's, it's uh, I'll, Watson I'll, I'll family.
0: With Christian Watson later. What's going
2: on? You, g- cut me off. <laughs> you got it, Rob. See
0: you later, man. Thanks, guys. See- well, Brewers fans, a new era begins. Pat Murphy, the 20th manager named yesterday for your brew crew. Ricky Weeks, associate manager. Uh, people, and we talked about this, what, in the 6 o'clock hour. I think more people are fired up about Ricky Weeks and his ascension than they are Pat Murphy. And Roddy and I were talking about this. It's a... Um, it's not a move that makes waves, right? It's a can I say stopgap?
1: I guess I guess you don't know. We don't know. But right now it's, I feel like it's as of right waves. now this is just a it's a meh higher. It's it's decent. You could have done a lot worse. I think it could have potentially have been a disaster if you went with like a guy that was 35 years old fully into analytics as the team itself was trying to build and develop players being a first year guy where, you know, he's trying to figure it out on the run. I feel like that could have been a very unorganized disaster. So now you have a guy that's been around for a while, coached in college. He knows about developing players. He can do that. I think that fits. And I almost feel like when you say stopgap, It looks like for the most part, if things go to plan, it probably is a stopgap where then Ricky weeks either takes over or you go outside the organization. If weeks doesn't live up to it and find your guy that could potentially coach a, you know, a consistent playoff team or for brewer fans, a world series caliber type team, baby. But I feel like saying that as a stopgap, there's still an opportunity for a Pat Murphy to win the job. Like you're giving him his opportunity to still win the job. It's the same thing. Like we talked about this yesterday. How Bo Ryan kind of handed it off to Greg Guard yeah. gave him an opportunity with a good roster to go to a couple of sweet sixteens and kind of cement himself into that position where it was there's no way Wisconsin with what he did could take him out of that position, be like, hey, we're going to get someone else. They went to two sweet sixteens. Yeah. This but, gives Murphy, yeah. a longtime baseball guy, an opportunity to win the job if they if they hey. perform way better. It probably is his for more than two years, but if it goes how we think and it's a rebuild and it's just guys growing, then he probably gets replaced. But you give a guy that paid his dues an opportunity.
0: Brody, on the Greg Gard vein, right? I mean, Bo Ryan manufactured that to get Greg Gard in. And you talked about the Sweet 16s. And then Greg Gard also won two Big Ten Coach of the Year awards. What if Pat Murphy does such a good job, he becomes the first Brewers manager to win NL Manager of the Year? Then he'd be like, hey, look at me. Look it would, at me, it would boys. probably be hilarious. <laughs> look at me, boys. I got that award. Let's go. Uh, Rowdy. speaking of baseball, I'm looking at a picture right here of the Oakland Athletics small fan base. Uh, Some of their signs say stay, rob man fraud, Vegas beware, Oakland forever, uh, don't sell, yada, yada, yada. Well, guess what? Well, the A's, it was just made official about a half an hour ago. They've been allowed... To relocate to Las Vegas. Yeah, but... the,
1: the owners took a vote and it passed unanimously. Yep. Voted, or the um, owner said, yep, you guys said, have make the it so. green light to go to Las Vegas. Make it so. So you're telling me that all of the boycotts and then the one boycott didn't work. Yeah, the, uh, the, the uh, packed the stadium to show that the fan base wasn't the problem. It was the owners. You know what the funniest part about the boycott was? So when they were boycotting, they were getting somewhere between two and 10,000 people in the stadium Mm -hmm. on any given night, depending on the matchup. Obviously they're going to draw more when they play the Dodgers or the Braves, just because people want to watch the Dodgers and the Braves. Yep. There were some games where they had between two and 4,000 people on like some, you know, Monday, 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 you know, a Monday night game against some conference opponent like the angels that were maybe struggling. They didn't pull at all. When they had their boycott, where people tried to go, they still only got like 30,000. Yeah, they that still That wouldn't even have been a sellout in, in American Family Field. That would have been a decent turnout. Oakland, uh, I have MLB
0: um, Park attendance reports for 2023. Oakland bottom 30th. They averaged 10,275 fans. A game. And those are paid those tickets. Those are paid tickets. They're not actually butts in seats. Uh, your biggest was the Dodgers, averaging forty-seven thousand three hundred seventy-one fans. That's near. That's that's essentially a sellout at yeah. American
1: Family Field every night.
0: Yankees were second, Padres third, Cards fourth, and the Braves fifth. Your Milwaukee Brewers fall at fifteenth, where they usually kind of fall in that range, at thirty-one thousand five or thirty-one thousand four hundred ninety-seven thousand fans, uh, averaging each game. Now again, they're just sold tickets. It's not even in the stands, but that's where Brewers always are. The better they are, maybe they'll creep closer to 10. And the worse they are, maybe they'll creep closer to, like, 17. Yeah, I
1: think the highest I've seen Milwaukee in some of their big-time runs where they were they were one of the better teams in the NL, I think they got as high as, like, 7, 8.
0: Yeah, they're always in that, like, 15 range. You
1: know? Yeah, 10 to 15 is, like, pretty much you, you throw out a Brewers lineup, they win 70 games or they win 90 games. They're coming in 10 to fifteenth pretty much every year.
0: Yeah, and one of our God-given rights is uh, Wisconsinites is to go get drunk in a parking lot. And that's what we really do best at AmFam Field. All right, so we already on the A's, though. Now, remember, I know you remember this because we are talking about it off air. There was this uh, experiment. They kicked around a little bit a couple of years ago that they're going to have a, a Major League Baseball team split between Montreal and was it the Rays? Tampa,
1: Tampa Bay. Bay. They were talking about they would have some home series in St. Pete, and other home series in Montreal. Like, but could you imagine being a player? Because these players come from not only all over the country, but from all over the world. Yeah. They might be from Korea, Japan, South America, Central America, Canada. Yeah. There's even some Europeans that have been in the league the last decade. Could you imagine saying, well, you know, I'm originally from California, but I'm playing for the Tampa Bay race. So I have my family in California, but we're going to live in Tampa Bay for half of the year. And Oh wait, now you got to play in Montreal for, for, for basically a quarter of the season. You're in Montreal quarter of the season. You're in Tampa Bay and a half the season. You're flying we're all like, over that's the country. The dumbest idea. Ever How heard. would that ever work? I would, I would
0: never, never want to play for that so clearly, it,
1: it didn't come to
0: fruition. No, cause it's stupid. Well, The Oakland Athletics, who just were uh, unanimously told that, yeah, you can relocate to Las Vegas. The Oakland A's will not have a permanent home. Or let me rephrase it. The A's will not have a permanent home from 2025 to 2027. Their lease to play at Oakland Coliseum is up
1: after 2024. And the Vegas move is expected to happen in 2028. So, Rowdy, what's going to happen? So, now I'm curious to see how this plays out. Because the Oakland Athletics have one more year on the lease, like you just mentioned, to play in Oakland. How many fans are going to show up knowing that their team's leaving, knowing that they already kind of boycotted? Well, you tried your boycott. You tried your boycott. It didn't work. Nope. They're leaving. They're done. Pretty much no shot at staying in Oakland. How many fans are going to show up? If there were 10,000 a night, roughly, for paid tickets, what is it going to be next year?
0: I mean, Major League Baseball turned their back on you if you're an Oakland A's fan. If, you, if you're if you an Oakland A's fan, you live in Oakland, they've turned your back on you. Why would you support that team in 2024?
1: But the funniest part is, for those three seasons where they're not going to have a home stadium, because according to all reports, they won't be ready to play in Vegas until 2028. Yep. <laughs> for three seasons, this is the plan. Oof, As of right now, doozy. this is the plan for the Oakland A's. They plan to play in their Triple A park, <sighs> which is located in Nevada they're also going to play an Oracle park in San Francisco and potentially be on a rotating home oh, stadium. Brutal. They could be playing in multiple different stadiums all on the West coast between California and Nevada for three years for three seasons. Wow. No one wanted to play for the A's to begin with. Everyone wants out. Who's going to want to be there now? Nobody.
0: Uh, Whatever that over-under win total is, I'd pound the under.
1: Remember? I can't remember who it was, but he was like in his, I think he was mid-30s. He was a professional pitcher for the A's, and and he just retired, and he went on his little podcast Twitch video and talked about the ownership and how crappy it was playing in Oakland and how he loved the fans. The fans were great, loved his teammates, loved the manager and coaches, but all he said was, Sell the team. The owner needs to sell the team. He couldn't believe how much of a d-bag the owner was. That's coming from a player that played for you. You signed his checks, and he said you're a scumbag. (laughs) Sell the team. (laughs) Everything was fine except for you. Yeah, sell it. And now you got to convince players to play there for three years. It's probably a good thing that the A's have been basically a just mismatch of quadruple a players that this is their only shot and, and prospects that are trying to make it in the league. Is it going to be like a major league they except they won't win at the end? Who else would want to, who else would ever, if you want even in your wildest imagination, you're like, we're going to pony up Oof. and we're going to pay Shohei Ohtani. If say the, the Dodgers or someone comes in for like a 10 year, uh 60 million a year, $600 or $600 million contract, and they come in and offer him a billion dollars for 10 years. One billion dollars. Something that blows the, the Dodgers and any other big market team out. How could he ever come up with wanting to play there? No one. No one. Even if you had a, a free agent that's like, well, you know, on the table, maybe it was like an Andrew McCutcheon type player. And you had the A's offer $8 million and no one else was... At, you know, offering more than four or 5 million. How would they want to even take that money to go play for the A's after all the blowback with the organization and management and the blowback? Now you'd have to be playing in potentially three different cities for three years. Terrible. You are going to be an awful franchise for the next three years and no one's going to ever play for you. It's going to be a mismatch of guys trying to make in the league or it's their only shot. And those teams they're never good. No,
0: here's a little snippet. Uh, while the A's franchise is expected to rise in value with sweet sales, advertising, and ticket revenue from the Las Vegas casinos and resorts, Major League Baseball owners inserted a binding protection provision in the contract before approving the deal. So if their owner decides to sell the franchise soon after moving to Las Vegas to make an immediate profit, he will then be heavily taxed on the sale, which will be split among his fellow Major League Baseball owners,
1: according to another owner who spoke with USA Today. And I'm... I- I won't act like I'm some expert in markets where it comes to, you know, this market would be great for baseball. You know, they got a rabid fan base that's just wanting baseball. But I look at it and you think about some of the cities that have been mentioned for p- potential expansion in Major League Baseball. And it's been what Montreal, where they already had a failed franchise, Portland, the, the Expos are currently in Washington, D.C. Yep. They're the Nationals, There's Portland on the list, Portland was on there, Nashville, Nashville, uh, Salt Lake City. Yep. Okay, those are big cities. Oakland's just is big if not bigger than all of them. My biggest thing is I could see a franchise in Nashville because Nashville's now like the the country Vegas, right? But it's still just, <laughs> it's the country Vegas in the, Vegas. in somewhat the southeast, but at the same time it still draws a lot of hipsters I guess at this point. To, to, Nash- to, to Nashville, yeah. you have like your your you're, you're your, got your, your, your blurred, older like, country folk, but then you are getting more, pushed out. It's the new yeah, country You have yeah. your new wave of like more hipster people that are moving in there. So I think I could see that being a legitimate city. It's like Vegas of the southeast. Well, you
0: got like Rogers built a house out there uh, in the Nashville area. You got all kinds of athletes and musicians and movie stars all building out there. Yeah, right?
1: so I could see that. I'm not super in tune with salt Lake. I don't think Montreal is really a thing. I think that's Toronto. It already failed. Mm. You'd really have to commit to that Portland. Who the hell would want to live in Portland?
0: Unless you really like Portlandia. Great show. But yeah, that's uh was there an Oklahoma city on there too? Maybe, or doesn't matter,
1: but I could see, I could see expansion maybe into two more teams. Kind of like the NFL 32 teams. You break it into 16 and 16, four in each, you know, Yeah, I I get it. I could see that, but I feel like Oakland would be a part of it. I just think
0: about what you were just talking about, the players that have to play for the A's coming up here with no home. You're, You're literally,
1: you don't have any stability. You're back to, you're essentially from traveling to ballpark to ballpark like that, all in a somewhat of a smaller area, Nevada and California, not having a true home. It's almost like that's you, you finally made it out of the minor leagues and you made it to the big leagues for your one shot. And now you're basically traveling like you're in the minor leagues again. It's
0: like Major League Two, back to, or three, back to the minors. So,
1: and that one straight to VHS. Well, that's like one of the things when people, when you think of minor league baseball, it's a lot of road trips. Yeah, you're yeah. gone all the time. You're not making a ton of money. You're living you're off of cockroach of, motels, yeah, and, stadium hot dogs, and you're traveling. Yeah. This is a big league team that's going to be doing the same thing. But it's for their home games.
0: Yeah, it's wild. I would hate to play for the A's. Um, I don't know if you got a big contract though. Maybe money can sway you a little differently. But yeah, that's. But if you can, I if you can fetch
1: a big contract, you can probably fetch that from one of the other twenty-nine teams. Yeah, and stay home half the season.
0: I mean, uh, I saw some people saying, like, as a fan of baseball, this is awful. Well, like, I know,
1: I know one guy that definitely wouldn't be a candidate to manage the team. Craig Council, because you know he's all about family. He's got to stay close. <laughs> he can't be traveling.
0: Yeah, that's why he went to Chicago, because he was only, you know, not too far 90 away. 90 miles yeah. closer.
1: He split the difference.
0: But you know what's closer than Chicago?
1: For a family man? Milwaukee. <laughs> your actual he, home. he wouldn't be managing the ace. He couldn't do road trips uh, 24-7. Craig. Uh,
0: no, comes back to Craig Council. Uh, crazy news out of baseball, man. And then... Um, and
1: then people are like, well, will the Brewers ever move? Well, yes, asked Rob that. He's like, nah, I don't see that happening. I never saw it happening either. It was it was just a threat from Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball and Mark Ananasio if they didn't get that bill passed, which, by the way, the it bill passed, just passed. About two days ago, yeah. Was there ever a doubt? I yeah. I never saw with the fact that the fan base is as loyal as possible and all of the fans in the, in the 50s and 60s that lost a team and had to glob on to, like, the Cubs... Or the White Sox, or whoever else. Yeah. With that happening, and how much Wisconsin fans love baseball, I could never see a team leaving because we taught, We just talked about it. They're still ten to fifteen any given year, yep. and it's not like the Brewers are good. They're one of the four teams that haven't won a World Series. You still get that type of loyalty from the fan base. I don't see them ever leaving. It was just. People that are much richer than the common folk that come, trying to get a little extra money and a little bit nicer stuff.
0: Yeah, and that vote, what uh, they approved that nineteen to fourteen, the vote sending it to what uh, assembly? Again, so. going
1: back to some of the cities, I'm sure Salt Lake is is probably a nice city. They threw a what an yeah. AAF team in there. Yeah, the They've Salt had, Lake Stallions did. They have uh, professional soccer. I'm sure that could work, but I'm saying. Would you rather play in Milwaukee, where it's a little bit of a smaller town compared to some of these cities, with a less less busy lifestyle than the LAs and the New Yorks, but you know you're going to have a loyal fan base that's going to love you, or would you rather play in Portland, who might try and burn your stadium down? <laughs> <laughs> They'll
0: make it to the Chaz Zone, or was it Chop? Was it ch- whatever it was? It was dumb.
1: Who cares? It was a bunch of losers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was. Well, there you go. There you go. A little baseball update for you um, on the bill that passed too. Um, so on Tuesday, Republicans amended that plan uh, during the Florida Bay to incrementally re- raise the two dollar ticket surcharge to four dollars and the luxury suite ticket surcharge from eight to ten by twenty fifty. So you'll see, and that's like everything, price is going to go up. I mean, that's just, that's just what it is. But yeah, I mean, they were just feigning to get this passed. It passed, so brewers ain't going anywhere. To the disdain of the Milwaukee urbanists. that wanted to turn their parking lot into um, chain restaurants, uh, absurd priced parking. And um, how's it? So there you go. All right, Rods. Oh, yeah, and they said, don't forget the jazz there. Yeah, Utah, Rowdy. don't forget about the jazz. Yeah. Great jazz scene in Utah, by the way. Great
1: jazz scene. But I get it. That's a city that could hold it. That people would want to go to. Yeah, beautiful music, jazz scene I, out I there. I think that's if I had to bring in two, I would keep Oakland, but I could see Vegas, and then it would be Nashville or Salt Lake. Mm. Those make the most sense to me.
0: And don't forget all the beautiful lakes that L.A. has for the Lakers. Beautiful lakes out there. All
1: well, right. you know why they are named yes, the lake Minnesota. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs>
0: Friday tomorrow, already, Let's go. And then it's the final home game, the home finale here on Saturday. In Nebraska coming to town.
1: Yeah, last opportunity to come out to the red zone for the tailgate with uh, Over the Line, your last Oof. shot at
0: Koozie's, Coors Flat, Light Flags. flags. Uh, over the Line Koozie's, Coors Light Koozie's, Coors Light Flags. Uh, the opportunity to buy us a shot or a beer. Coors Light
1: be a good time. Let's and see. the last potential chance that you'll get to watch the Badgers win a game at home. I don't know. Maybe. Potent- that's why maybe, I said yeah, potential. potential. Uh,
0: the weather. Uh, well, it's a night game, so it'll be colder, obviously. But a high of 51 on Saturday. I think it's supposed to be sunny, too. Yeah, sunny and a high of 51. You know, we're on air from 430 to 630.
1: Um, Ooh, mine's saying a high of 53. All right, we'll go with that one. We're on Rowdy's high of 53. Love it. Let's see. By game time, it'll probably be like 45. Yeah, bring bring a hat
0: and gloves this time, Rowdy. Just to, and maybe a little warmer jacket, because that uh, that Ohio State game got a little cold. got a little cold. All right, so Christian Watson, his family really been uh, helicopter parents on Twitter, really defending his his the name of Christian Watson. His dad was basically blaming Jordan Love for all the interceptions. What Jordan Love's got was it nine interceptions or ten? Rob said ten, and five of those interceptions were Christian Watson. I was, I thought it was nine and four. Whichever, it's not good. It's roughly fifty percent. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's five. Yeah, I think it's five now. Well, Jordan Love was on the podium, and of course, it was brought up about you know when targeting Christian Watson with all these interceptions. Jordan Love was asked about it, and he says, you know, what is your message to Watson, who gets targeted for big plays but has those picks?
3: Here's Jay Love. Yeah, um, you know, my message to Christian is just, you know, keep your confidence. Don't don't let any of that stuff, um, you know, ever wait, let your confidence waver or anything like that. Like, I got complete trust in Christian. Um, I know he knows this. Um, but, you know, the ball's gonna like, I trust all my receivers. The ball's gonna come out regardless. Um, you know, so uh, just keep that confidence. You know, we all, you know, when you're losing, it's a lot, a lot of people want to point fingers, things like that. So, it, it happens. You know, it comes with the territory. Um, you know, he's a professional. He knows that. Um, and that's everybody in the locker room. But, uh, you you know, I just told him just keep that confidence up, keep making plays, just move on to the next one. Um, but you know, a lot of it isn't his fault. You know, I could be better for him, um, things like that. So, um, yeah, just keep that confidence. I, you know, I trust these guys, and we're going to go up from here.
0: Quote: cool, I could be better for him. Now, some of those interceptions are on love because, you know, like, an underthrow. But
1: also, Christian Watson doesn't fight for it. Yeah, though. I've crapped on Christian Watson. You know, we we fight for I it. think everyone feels the same way. It's a guy that came in super athletic, super talented. He was a project. We saw the flashes rookie year. Hasn't been able to stay healthy either season, but it's the same thing. The guy hasn't developed or gotten better. He's the same one trick pony So, yeah, that's why we're going to, you know, scream and bitch about him because Mm -hmm. he hasn't gotten any better and he hasn't been fighting for the football. But then at the same time, well, yeah, like you said, Jordan Love hasn't always gave him the best passes like the, the interception in the end zone in the Steeler game. Like that's not on Christian Watson, but how many of those same type of balls were actually thrown pretty well and probably should have been caught. That's why it's roughly 50% of his interceptions have come on balls targeting Christian Watson. Yeah. So yeah, can Jordan Love be better? For sure. Christian Watson needs to be better too. But there's one thing that I think, because we always compare Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers, right? Unfairly so, but yeah. Aaron Rodgers, basically I would say his entire career, but it felt like more and more when he was... Prime Aaron Rodgers in those years where he was arguably in a seven-year stretch, the purely the best quarterback in football. Like I know Tom Brady was still doing his thing. I know Drew Brees was a thing best and, and Pete Manning of the football. But he was arguably one of the best quarterbacks, consistently playing with a trash roster, Hands down, and being the best quarterback. We miss in the Rodgers, so you saw a lot of frustration from Aaron Rodgers, especially when the receiving core wasn't up to par. Now, that also feels like, to me, that was very much so like Aaron Rodgers' personality because he always expected to be great. He was always great. Greatness. So when you weren't living up to it, yeah, he was going to bitch you out. He was going to say something. Yeah. And he even said that to good receivers like Greg Jennings yeah. at the end where there was like a miscommunication. And he told Greg Jennings, well, oh, don't worry about it. You're not going to be here next year. Yeah,
0: what was that? It was the last game of the season. um, who they play? God, I can't. remember. You told Greg, he's like, yeah, you ain't gonna be here. Whatever.
1: But well, that's that's who that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That's partly what makes him great.
0: Yeah. So okay. So Rodgers, it was kind of obvious when he didn't trust the receiver. He wouldn't throw to him. Like they put you in the doghouse. I mean, JerMichael Finley was on the show before, and Finley did say if you were in Rodgers' doghouse, he let you know, and he wouldn't throw you the ball. Uh, but eventually, like he became a little. Uh, more trusting and softer. Though, for and,
1: superstar athletes, they all have kind of their chip or their tick. That's how they get there. And Aaron Rodgers, you know how like if you're coming up with like a a dating profile or like a a resume for work, and someone asks you what's your pros and cons, Aaron Rodgers could probably put that in a pro and a con. Pro: I care I'm too super much. Super competitive. <laughs> I want to be the best. I might act like a dick. Con. I might act like a dick when I need to be a little bit more, I guess, loving and, yeah. and caring. But again It's that classic job interview uh reference, Rowdy. What's your pro? Or what's your weakness strength and
0: weakness? It's both. I care too much.
1: But that, that <laughs> was Aaron Rodgers. Now, I do think it's a little refreshing, especially with this type of team, because Jordan Love still feels pretty laid back. Yeah. Like he's a guy that He says all the right things. He's a guy that's kinda like the he tries to be the leader where You know, maybe he did have a bad pass, or maybe it was a great pass, and Christian Watson just straight up didn't go get the football and it was incomplete. He's still going to be the quarterback that comes up, pats him on the back, and be like, oh, that was my bad. Yeah. Even though everyone knows it's not his bad, he's kind of that type of leader that's still going to have your back. But then at the same point, So you need to draw that fine line where you need to be fiery and you need to get in a guy's face to create a change.
0: Well, it still, it still seems like he trusts his wide receivers. I mean, just by, you know, looking and watching what he says, he just said in that comment we just played and he was asked again, like, what does it take for you, Jordan love to trust a room full of young or rookie wide receivers?
3: It's just, you just got to have that trust as a quarterback. You know, you got to trust that these guys are going to be where they need to be on the right time. Um, and if it doesn't, you know, that's something that we, we'll go to the sideline to fix. Um, but I can't play, you know, question whether a guy's going to be at the right spot at the right time. Um, you know, I just got to be able to trust it, trust my reads. Um, and if they're not there, then, you know, I'll have the feeling of, all right, the time he's thrown off. This guy's not where he needs to be and just... Progressing through, finding those check downs, things like that. So um, it's not something that I try and spend too much time focusing on, is I just gotta be able to have that trust in these guys and I do. So.
1: like when Peyton Manning came into the league, he had Marvin Harrison, they drafted and James, mm. they got Reggie Wayne, like he had Ooh. some really good talented players around him where he was a very cerebral cerebral guy, and you can tell that just from the Manning cast, just in general. Mm-hmm. He was good and he could figure it out and they had great guys to do it with. But you look at some of these other quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers in that time period we were talking about or Tom Brady when he doesn't necessarily have the top end talent, maybe when Gronk wasn't before Gronk or uh, when Gronk was hurt and Edelman was hurt where there was just a shell of receivers. You know what? They all would get into it. They would have that ability to be a little fiery and to get on someone's ass. Mm hmm. Maybe Jordan Love feels like, well, everyone is new. Everyone is young. Everyone is growing. I'm still growing, too. So he doesn't have the confidence to be like, I'm the effing guy. You need to play better. I can see that. But how many years or how good does he have to get? Because there's going to come a point in time where just patting a guy on the back saying, you're still good. You're still great doesn't get the message through unless he goes what the f are you doing you yeah. got to get your f and ass out here Scream catch his the face. football and get in his face so that you actually make a change yeah. because sometimes it's like we're talking about parents there's there's two types of parents right there's the one that's always super hard on their kid and maybe the kid gets burned out but then there's ones that maybe pat their kids on the back and tell them they're great too much. you got to find that happy medium and draw the line.
0: Hey, little Johnny, I know you threw five picks today, but you're
1: still special and better than exactly. everyone else. That kid's never going to get better because he Handsome, still thinks too. he's great. Yeah. But well, when um, you tell him he sucks a little bit, not all the time, but a little bit, where he needs more. Constructive
0: where... criticism. Exactly. Yeah, Well, LaFleur, um, he did tell the reporters that uh, Love should, quote, let it rip. And stop thinking so much? So maybe Matt LaFleur's going the constructive criticism route there, but Jordan Love was asked about what did Matt LaFleur mean by that? Yeah,
3: no, I think... Um, when Matt says let it rip, it's more of, you know, don't hesitate going through my reads. Um, you know, trust what I'm seeing out there, uh, be confident in it, and just just let the ball fly. Don't have any hesitation. Um, and that's definitely something I've been, you know, trying to focus on is just trusting my reads, trusting my feet. Um, you know, when, when it's time to let the ball come out, just, just trust it, be confident in it. Um, you know, just not playing. Trying not to make mistakes, if that makes sense. Um, just going out there and, and uh, taking advantage of what the defense is doing um, and being confident with every throw.
1: I think tr- trust is I, the biggest I, thing I, here. When you were saying Matt LaFleur, I'm thinking about just growing up. Matt LaFleur doesn't feel like a parent that's going to yell and scream at you. He's the one that's going to kiss you and tell him he loves you.
0: Unless you're Kurt Benkert. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> <I, laughs> like, he yelled and screamed at him. I, I just remember growing up, like one of my buddies' dads was military background, played Division One college football for the Badgers, kind of like that hardcore drill sergeant, right? Yeah. There was a time where I was at his house where he said we we, so me included, had to do chores and do the stuff if we wanted to eat. I was just staying. I was just staying over. Yeah, boy. I, you're going to go hungry now, if you ain't yeah, doing some dusting. Now, I'm helping doing chores so that we can eat. But then there was another parent. This living room
0: ain't going to vacuum itself, yeah, Rowdy.
1: Now, there's another parent where I remember we were hanging out, and he's more of a quiet, quiet dad, right? Never really got mad, never said anything. And then one time when he freaks out and you're like, Whoa. you get back into the you know your friend's bedroom and you're playing video games, you're like, you kind of laugh. You're like, man, your dad was actually kind of mad. I've never seen him that pissed, but you didn't take it seriously. No, yeah, That's Matt LaFleur. Yeah, he's the unserious one. Yeah. yeah, he's the one where you kind of laugh when he finally tries to yell at you you're because like, he can't uh, yell at you. Okay, guy. But then the other guy that you were scared of the other one, <laughs> you're like, yep. All right. What do we have to do? I'm hungry.
0: I like that. Hey, you guys, you kids ain't eating unless
1: you do some chores first. Seriously,
0: that's a real true story. What I could see your friend being like, hey, do you guys want to come over this weekend? And in, in the back of his mind, he's like, I got this long chore no, list to I do. No, I, <laughs> I never went back.
1: I never went back. Like, I hung out with him, but so his parents were divorced. I would hang out with him. I wasn't into doing his chores. Well, yeah, it's his chores. Am I really going to go hungry tonight if we don't, you know, dust dust, dust here? <laughs> was it farm chores or was it like housework? No, it was like picking stuff up outside or, you know, doing... Go rake my out. yard? Yeah,
2: stuff like that. <laughs> all
1: right. And it's like, at this point, we were like in junior high, so no one can drive. It's like, I can't actually leave. All right, little I'm Johnny. I'm stuck here.
0: You can invite your friends over this weekend for a sleepover, but keep in mind, this yard isn't going to rake itself, all right? And I ain't doing it either. <laughs> You come over, you're like ready for some fun with playing some video games, ordering some pizza, drinking some Mountain Dew, and all of a sudden, there you are working a little manual labor out in the yard. Yeah, again, that probably puts hair in your chest. Probably good for you. Never stayed over there again. <laughs> <laughs> See, I come from a divorced family, rowdy, but both my parents were just fighting for my love, so it was like I didn't have to do the chores. Like I mean, did my chores because I was you know a good son, but when I had friends over. I'm the one that had to clean up everything ahead of time. And then once the friends came over, then it was party time. Then once they left, then I had to clean up again. They ever made my friends do chores. (laughs) All right, get the vacuum. Get the Swiffer. Here's the mop. Let's go, boys. we got to work for that pizza. (laughs) I never went back.
2: Still friends with them? Yeah. (laughs) I like his dad. It's just I... You ain't coming over, (laughs) though.